0: Hi there, you're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to carey.asn.au. Two Bible readings this
1: morning,
2: one from John 3.16, which we could probably all recite together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the second reading is from John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Thanks Heather. Hello everybody. Oh look you are there. (laughs) Cool. I think you guys are getting to know me. I've been here a few times to preach so you know that I love interaction. So when I say hi that's not rhetorical. That's actually a let's engage and let's have some fun. This morning we are starting a new series called Encountering Jesus. And so um, in this series we're going to be looking through the Gospel of John... Uh, And we're going to be um, learning about people who have met with Jesus. They've had something of an encounter with Him. In many instances, these encounters with Jesus were life-changing. And so over the course of this Encountering Jesus series, the team will be taking us through some of these encounters. And together, we're going to explore the takeaways from these stories that we can apply to ourselves today. But to get us started, I actually want to start at the beginning of our own encounter with God. Now, if you identify as a Christian, that is, you have said yes to Jesus being your Lord and Saviour, you most likely experience something life-changing, just like the people who had an encounter with Jesus that we'll be reading about over the weeks that are to come. Now, whether you encountered Jesus back in Bible times, a thousand years ago, or just this morning, when people encounter Jesus, their lives are changed. Now, for some people, it's huge and obvious. For other people, it's a little bit more subtle. But there are a few things that should look similar in our lives when we have had an encounter with Jesus. As followers of Christ, the Bible identifies some character traits and some actions that should look similar across the board because of our own encounter with Jesus. Now, if we go back to the very beginnings of our faith journey, it all started because of the truth in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now we see here that it's because of God's love that he sent Jesus in the first place. We're then told in Romans 10, 9 that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And for many of us, that was the key point in our lives when we encountered Jesus. When we first believed that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross for our sins and he rose again and we dedicated our lives to following him. Because of that, we started our Christian walk to become more like Christ, which brings me to the character trait and action that we should all share as Christians. And it's not a new one. It's that of love. Now 1 John 4.8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. And Jesus himself is recorded in the Gospel of John, actually in John 13, not 1 John 13, I believe the next slide says, Uh, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. When we encountered Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, our lives changed and we were charged with the action of love. And so today I want to talk about a specific way that we can demonstrate our love. In fact, the Bible instructs us to show our love for others in this way. And it's a topic that um, I'm very passionate about. It's a topic that we've been living out for nearly a year. And this message is kind of an in-your-face message. So you need to be aware of that. But it's only because it's such an important topic. And so I'd just love to invite you to join with me as we commit this time to God. Father God, as we talk about a topic that I believe is important to you today, I pray that your spirit will minister to each person in this room. Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours, but also protect our hearts from any feelings of condemnation as we know that is not of you. But rather God, we invite your spirit to convict our spirits and prompt us in the loving ways that you do so that we may know your will for us. Amen. Amen. Now we're just going to jump right in. Now it's not going to be a surprise to any of you here I'm sure when I tell you that just because a woman gets pregnant doesn't necessarily mean that she's ready to be a mum. Who knows that? Yeah, a few of you. You know um, that there are a lot of really unfortunate circumstances today that make that the case. There are women who are massively addicted. Um, there are women who have been abused and mistreated and don't yet know how to show love. There are those who suffer from mental illness, and the list can go on and on and, um, as to why some people are not properly equipped yet to be a great caregiver for a child. The same is true with men, you know just because you get a woman pregnant doesn't mean that you're necessarily ready to be a dad and sometimes for many of the same reasons. Now it might sound harsh but it's actually the reality of the world that we live in and because of this there are around 50,000 children in out of home care in Australia with over 5,000 of these children right here in Western Australia. Now maybe those figures aren't a shock to you but I know that there will be many of you here uh, where these stats are going to be rather overwhelming and you might be thinking, oh my gosh, there are so many and you are right, there are. But what we need to remember is there are far more Christians in the world today than there are children who need homes. Now I'm going to say that again because I believe that God is going to stir some hearts in a significant way this morning. There are far more people who have had an encounter with Jesus, who are followers of Christ in the world today, then there are children who need homes. And I'm believing with all my heart that we as the church can make a difference. And so I want to show you that the church is God's plan A to help children who are in need. In fact, I want to look at the words of James, the brother of Jesus, in James one twenty-seven, as he defines what pure religion is. Now James says that the purest form of religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, to live a holy life that would be pleasing to God. Now, what is the purest form of religion that our God accepts? To care for the orphans, to care for the widows, and to keep ourselves pure from the temptations of sin in this world. And so I think it's pretty clear that caring for those in need is close to the heart of God. Would you agree? Three people agree. That's awesome. I see a few nods. It is. It's really close to the heart of God. And I also think that it is close to many of your hearts as well. I believe it's actually born in your spirit and that if I showed you some pictures of children and told you their stories, I know that your heart would jump into action and many of you would immediately ask, how can I help? What can I do um, to help? Now let me give you an example. If I showed you a picture of three-month-old Charlie, oh look at little Charlie, um, and explained to you that Charlie's mum is currently in rehab trying to get off of meth and unfortunately she doesn't know who the dad is. Now if I showed you this adorable little three-month-old baby, what would many of you do? I'm trusting many of you would ask, how can we help? What can we do to help this little baby? Now if I showed you pictures of Amelia who's nine and her brother Noah who's seven and explained to you that their dad is in prison and their mum very sadly passed away from an overdose and They want to stay together, but they can't find anyone to take them in. I can guarantee you that some of you would say, what do I need to do? How can we help these little people? Now, why would you respond like that? Well, it's because you saw faces, you heard names, you heard a story. A face to a name in the story makes you care. And of the 50,000 children needing homes in our country, guess what? every single one of them has a face, every single one of them has a name and every single one of them has a story and I believe that God calls us as the church to care about those who are in need, to show love to those who need it the most. Now if we were to compile a list of some of the big problems in the world today that families and society are facing, some of the things we would put on there would include broken families, fatherlessness, divorce, poverty, substance abuse, incarceration, homelessness, domestic abuse, gang violence, racism, teenage pregnancy, human trafficking and you know there are so many more but this was just a quick list. Now, when looking at those, who do you think pays the highest price for these problems? Who? Children. Children do. Those who didn't cause the problems and those who do not have the ability to solve those problems. Children pay the highest price. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why God tells us in Psalm 82 verses 3 to 4 that the church is God's plan A to do what? Let's read it. To defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, to rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And I believe that all of us, we have that sense. You're a good human being and you care about those in need and you see someone in trouble, you see someone in need and your heart goes out for them, right? It's that sense that you need to do something you need to rescue the needy defend the weak care for the fatherless yet it's so easy in our world and i am just like you to be out of sight out of mind you know i've got my own kids i've got my own problems i've got my own uh, bills to pay i've got my own stuff going on i rarely have time to care about somebody else but how god cares about these children more than we could ever imagine and this is the stuff that breaks the heart of God. And I believe that He is calling us, His church, to care about them as well. Now, I love the imagery. Is that right? You know when a word just jumps out and you're like, that doesn't sound right, doesn't look right? Happens to me all the time. Thank you for your patience. I love the imagery. <laughs> Still doesn't sound right. Of Psalm sixty-eight, five to six, Um, it tells us who God is. It tells us that God, He is the father to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. And what does God do? God sets the lonely in families. That's what God does. He sets the lonely in families. God sees the child who's crying out, who needs a home, and He is looking for a family who's willing to say yes. And God orchestrates and brings them into families. Why? So they can experience health and compassion and care and love. And as people who have encountered the love of Jesus, what a way for us to be able to show that love to others. And what does God do? God picks up the lonely and he puts them into families. Now here's the question. What if God has his eye on your family? What if God is thinking about your home? What if, for some of you, you became the answer to a child's deepest prayer? God, give me a family. Give me someone to love me. Give me a place to belong. What if some of you were the answer to that prayer? Now, I know that a lot of you, as you hear this, it's really almost uncomfortable because we have so much going on and you're thinking, you know what, I can't. I know I'm supposed to care, but I'm I'm just not called to foster. Now, let me just say to you, you know what? For most of you, you're probably right. You really aren't. In fact, some of you don't do it. You've got other things that you need to sort out right now. It's okay. You can relax. You're not all called to do that. But before you just say, no, I'm not, we're not, I would just encourage you to pray. I just want you to pray, God, would you have us be involved? Would you have me do something? God, is there something you're going to call our family to, to be a blessing to someone who's in need? Before you just say no, 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 pray and ask God if you might do something. Now, as you ponder that, I want to invite Annie onto the stage, your very own Annie. Would you give her a warm welcome up here? She's very shy and doesn't like the stage. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? You know Annie. Annie is going to uh, share a bit about how God led her to be involved in blessing and helping and serving children um, who were in significant need and what that looks like for her. This is much nicer being able to sit down. Last week, we stood up the whole time and we learnt. We relaxed here. Yeah, yeah, we're chill at like Forestdale. It's awesome. All right. Annie. Would you tell us how and why did you get involved in
1: fostering? Okay. I'm going to go right back to the start. I grew up as child number four in a family of five. And I always thought that a couple extra kids in our family would have been good. So I thought I was, you know, as I was a teenager, I was thinking seven kids. Yeah, seven's good. You know, I, can, I think seven would make a good number. Um, but I also uh, read lots of books and... Um, heard people speak over time and I thought, oh, maybe fostering or adopting would be a pretty cool way to have a really big family. So, it was kind of where I was heading in my head. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to gather these kids that need homes and show them some love. And as I got a bit older, I realised that I wasn't really the type of person who could cope with having that many kids all at once. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I built... I got a house built in 2013 and 14, and part of my plan for getting that built was looking at the possibility of hosting kids from remote communities who might want to come to Cary. It was one of the projects that we were looking at through the Right Track Foundation. But as my house was nearing completion, I really felt like I was rekindling that dream of fostering. So I went and did my training and answered all the million questions. Um... And in 2015, I started as a respite carer. So I worked full-time, but I would look after kids on weekends. And I pretty much would have kids every second or third weekend, um, sometimes three weekends in a row if the need was there. Um, It was great. And I've been doing that ever since. I went back to New Zealand for a year in 2017. But aside from that, I've been involved in fostering. Awesome. Do you have another question? Yeah. Do you want me just to keep going? (laughs) Just keep going. Just keep going. Uh, So I know what the questions are, obviously. I started, I'm currently registered as a family or significant other carer for two kids. Uh, And these kids, they captured my heart. And I didn't want to foster any others because I found that the continual, I did it again. (laughs) the continual number of kids coming into my home really stressed me out um, with working full time and trying to manage all of that. Um, So this is a sustainable way for me to stay involved in the lives of these two pretty cool kids. Um, I'm actually currently co-caring with another respite carer, so we um, hang, hang out together on our respite weekends, look after these two kids together as a family of four, pretty unique little family and I think, I like to think we're the cool aunties but we're probably more the uncool aunties. Um, we have lots of fun and it's, it's a lot uh, better for us as a family to work together. We can support each other in maintaining boundaries and just checking in, did I do that right? Should I have done that a different way? Am I going nuts? Um, that sort of thing. Um, and so that
2: was the answer to what does that look like in your family uh, because fostering does look different um, for all families because there's lots of different types of fostering and mm. uh, people take on children, some more frequently than others, and it always just looks different for each family. What do you think people need to know about the fostering journey? Because we want to be
1: honest here, right? We don't want to set people up. So what's, what do they need to know? Uh, Well, I think, for me, I feel like fostering has expanded my heart with love, um, but I also feel like it's broken my heart at the same time. (sighs) Um, I feel like I I grew up in a really privileged place where I had no concept of what some kids have to go through. And I think, as, as Sarah's already said, we have a responsibility to show love. I think that's all we can do. We can't change the world. There's so much brokenness in the world, but we can show love to one person or to two people. Um, I'm just gonna, before I got up,
2: I was like this, about two seconds before I got up. There's something very uh, emotional about talking about the care you provide for little people. <laughs> Thank you. Because it, it's real. It's real and it affects you and it like um Annie says, it breaks your heart. It makes your heart bigger, I do think, but it also breaks your heart. So it's very emotional talking about such things. You're
1: doing well. All right. Um, so, what do you guys need to know if you are thinking about getting into fostering? If you're thinking about how do you fulfil that verse if fostering is not for you? And I know Sarah will probably talk about this a little bit, but um, we're part of a really unique village of people who look after these kids and, and you guys are all part of this village. Um, whether you're caring for kids that are biological, biologically related to you or not. Um, We can't do it on our own and and I really love this community and the way you guys support me. Um, But we can all support each other and you might not be able to have kids in your house but maybe you can just ask someone who does, how are they going? Is there something they can do? Do they need a meal? Or do they just need someone to drop in and break the tension on a particular day that's really hard? Or um, do you have kids a similar age? Can you get them together and go, and do something together that's, you know, just like normal communities and families would do. Um, There's so many ways we can support each other. And even just knowing that people are praying when stuff is tough um, really makes a massive difference. So I just want to say thank you to all of you. Some of you don't realise that you're helpful, um, even just asking what have you been doing this weekend and being able to have a discussion. Um, is fantastic. So I love you guys as a community of village that support each other.
0: Yeah, Annie
2: was, um, well, continues to be a great support in our fostering journey. It's been many times at school where I've just downloaded um, some pretty challenging stuff, and uh, it's just great to have that encouragement and support from people around us to help us do what we do. So, thank you. Is there anything else you want to say? I think I should You just want to get off and cry. (laughs) (laughs) Would you thank Annie for sharing? It's really tough to be so vulnerable. But what does God do? God picks up the lonely and he puts them into families. And God is using the church, his plan A, to do it. And I actually know that there are other families in this church who foster, who are here today. Um, so find out who they are, connect with them, hear their stories. But when you think about it, if you ever let a child into your home, if you ever say yes to this, you may never be more like God than that moment that you do that. Think about it. That may be the most godlike thing you do when you invite someone into your family. Why? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, that's exactly what God did for you. For you you know i was a spiritual orphan i was separated from god by my sin because of jesus what did god do God adopted me into his family. God gave me his name. Now, I am not on my own. I am in God's family. He is my heavenly father. I am a daughter of the king. I am a child of God. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you are adopted into the family of God. You're not there because you're good. You're not there because you deserve it. You're there because God is good and because he delights in reaching out to you and drawing you into his family. This is the picture of salvation. This is the goodness of God. This is why Jesus came, that you might have an encounter with him and be spiritually born into the family of God. You can be a son or a daughter of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do this with someone else, you are imitating God. You are inviting someone into your family to show them the very love that God has shown to you. Now, I love the way Paul said it to the believers in Ephesus. Ephesians 1.5, he said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his very own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I could never I could never foster. That would just be so hard. I mean, to bring a child into my home and the greatest goal is to get them back to their biological family, it would just rip my heart out. And guess what? You're absolutely right. It will. Um, I would even go as far as to say that if it doesn't hurt, you're probably not doing it right. And now, you need to know that my goal is not to... I, I promise you this. My, I do not want to guilt anybody into this at all. Never ever, 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 ever. I just want the church to recognize that you are God's plan A. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and nudges you, if the Holy Spirit leads you and you say yes, I want you to know two promises. Number one is that it will be hard beyond what you can imagine. It will be one of the most difficult things you ever do. There will be more complications, more tears. You may have your own biological kids and they're hard, but if you bring a child um, who's been through a lot of stuff, a lot of challenges, it's going to be harder than you can ever imagine. And once you know that, the second thing you need to know, the second promise is this, the child is worth it the children are worth it they are absolutely and completely worth it now not all of us can do everything but I do believe that all of us can do something and now our family began our fostering journey uh, just beginning of last year so we're still quite new to this Um, and we were actually just planning on doing respite care for my sister who's also a foster carer But then the referrals started coming in and I had that sense that I had to do something. These kids needed somewhere safe to go and so we decided that we could stretch ourselves to do emergency care. Now with Kyle and I both working full-time and serving in ministry and having three teenagers, we just can't do long-term placements right now. But if I'm being completely honest, even this has been such a challenge Now in the last 12 months we've provided care for six children in five different placements ranging from four nights till four months and still counting that little dude still with us Um, and in actual fact this is how God continues to work in amazing ways. Uh, One of the little kids that our very first foster kids are actually in this room this morning which is why I had my moment (laughs) just before I got up on the stage. Um, It's really beautiful when you get to reconnect. We have not done any respite for my sister, even though that's why we signed up, Um, and she's actually done two lots of respite care for us, so go figure. Um, I sometimes feel guilty for not being able to say yes to more children, but you know what, we're doing something, we're doing our bit. Now, other ways that you might decide you can help, and Annie touched on this before, is by supporting families who foster, by providing meals, by cleaning, by gardening. You can donate clothing, donate school supplies. Uh, Maybe God has actually put it in your heart to care for the single mum or the dad or, or the widow, and you can care for them in the same ways. You can show love for them in the same ways. You don't have to work within the system. You can work within God's system and you can decide that when you see someone in need, I am open and willing for God to use me to make a difference. You can actually do that and you can decide to do that at any time. Now I want to invite another guest up this morning. Would you welcome Louise Pekin up to the stage? Uh, Some of you may know Louise because she was the children's pastor at Kerry back in 2011 and 2012 before Forestdale existed Um, but Louise is here this morning on behalf of an organisation called ARC and she's going to share with you about her organisation and give you a practical
0: opportunity to move forward this morning. Thank you, Sarah. Um, it is really exciting to be here. I've actually never been in, on Forestdale campus, uh, but I was a part of the prayer and the discussion right at the very start. So, when, so, yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you very much. So I work for ARC Australia, which is not a foster care agency. We are a movement of communities across Australia that is dedicated to providing belonging to children in need. So we work in two ways. We come to churches and we share the need of what foster care is and how people can get involved in their own communities. And we were part of that verse, and and it spoke to me new and afresh today, the Psalm 68, where God sets the lonely in families. That is not just for children. That is for us too. And part of being a foster carer can be very, very lonely because you are dealing with systems and brokenness that it goes far beyond what you can understand and what can take you to your absolute limit. And it can become a very, very lonely journey. But ARC is there in a way to create a space for families who are on that journey to connect together because who better to understand what you're going through than other people who are going through something similar. So we work in... The, to come and share at churches and to gather together the Christian community who have become and stepped into foster care uh, to say that you belong here and we can do this journey together. I have a little video that I'm going to show first uh, before I say any more. When I was getting ready uh, for this talk, both last week and this week, I asked my daughter who's 11 and she's been in part of foster care since she was two months old. We started the journey, my, my eldest biological daughter, and I said, what is foster care to you? And her answer was, it's good families to step out of the comfortable and step into the unknown world of foster care to be a family for a child for a little while until they can go home. And that's... At essence, the heart of foster care. Foster care is temporary care for children who will hope to be able to go home to their first families because that's where children belong. And as hard as that journey can be to say goodbye, it's absolutely worth it when you get to do that. Unfortunately, the circumstances are that often ca- kids cannot go back to home and they do become a part of a long term family. um Just in this district, in the district of Armidale, which is what encompasses all around here. There are 600 children in the foster care system. That's enough to fill an average primary school. 600 children who are in need of homes. And while there are many families, and I can see many in this room who have stepped into this crazy world of foster care, there are so many more needed. And we—that that is what Ark is here to share with today. And if this is some message that is speaking to your heart, I encourage you to come and show up at our information session this Thursday night at the Harrisdale campus. By showing up, you are not signing up. By showing up, you are saying, I want to know more. And it might be that you step into respite care as Ali's done. And I wrote this quote down last week, Ali, where you said, um, I'll find it on my notes here. If you've got room in your house, God will make room in your heart. And I love that you've got room in your house, God will make room in your heart. And it might be to have a child step into your home on a day-to-day basis. It might be for you to step into the life of a family who is already on this journey. But come along on Thursday night to see which one suits you. We're a meeting at Harrisdale campus in the youth room, hopefully, um, on Thursday the 25th. So with the slides, I does say Thursday the 25th, 7 p.m., Um, we would love to see you there we'll have a light supper Um, Armadale CPFS is going to be there to share what foster care is so where better to get it from right from the horse's mouth literally so come and join us and it'll be wonderful to have you there thanks awesome
2: thank you Louise let's give Louise a thank you you know church even though it may cost us even though it will be difficult It will be worth it. We are plan A. And God, who loves us so much, made a way for us to encounter Jesus so we can love others, defend those who cannot defend themselves and be the difference in this world that it so desperately needs. Let's pray. Father God, would you help us to be your hands and feet? Would you move us, God, out of our comfort zone to take a step of faith? Speak to each of us, Lord, showing each of us what our part to play is, that we can all do something. God, give us a heart for what is important to you. And church, as you stay in a posture of prayer, let's just make this real simple. You know, you are not all called to foster but all of us can do something and so I want to invite you to make a commitment before God today if you would simply say God I am open to whatever you call me to do I want eyes to see ears to hear and a heart to care if God prompts me moves me my answer to him will be yes If you say today, yes, I want to be open to what God will call me to do, would you just lift your hands high right now as a commitment before God? Yeah, I can see hands. That's so good. So awesome. Thank you, God. Father, I just thank you so much for a church full of people who want to care and show your love. God, I thank you in advance that you are going to speak to hearts. I thank you that there are children that have been praying for a long time, that their prayers are going to be answered today. Lord, I pray that no one would act out of guilt, that we would only act out of obedience to what you have called us to do. And God, I know that you call all of us to care and show love. I pray, Lord, that over the next few weeks and months that you would give us all an opportunity to show love in some way. And when we can do that, Would you empower us to recognise it for what it is, that we just fulfilled a small part of your calling for us, to show love to someone who needs it. Empower us, God, as your church, to show the love of Jesus to those who need it most.
0: In Jesus' name, amen.